Praise the Lord. Well, as you know, we have been talking about um, the um, armor of God, right? And um, so I, I was going to say maybe we'll finish it tonight, but I, we'll see. I just, you know, every time I think that or say that, that's not what happens. So we were just, we're just going to go with the Holy Ghost and see what happens. How about that? All right. So tonight, though, I want to um, read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I want to read it in the Passion Translation. So listen up, all right? It says this, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. So, of course, that is a mouthful. But um, the reason why I wanted to read it from this particular translation, I felt like it would give us an even more insight into what Paul is talking about. And um, last week, we talked about the helmet of salvation. And so um, one of the things that it says here. It says to embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. So remember last week I was saying that you have to like wrap the wrap salvation around your head. In other words, you have a um, a revelation of what salvation is, what that means to you. And you wrap that around your head. You let that be your thoughts. You let that be um, what helps you to combat the devil when he tries to lie to you and tell you that you're not saved or you can't be healed or, you know, you're, you're not delivered or you'll never be free. So it's so important that, as you can see, each one of these... Um, parts of these weapons that we've looked at 
all of them have something to do with the word of God. You, you cannot not have the word in the center of this armor that Paul is telling us to put on. Now, of course, he um, was using the uh, Roman soldiers, what they wear, to give us some insight. And, of course, during the time he was writing this, there were Roman soldiers everywhere, so the people could identify with that, with their armor. They saw the belts. You know, they saw what they wore. They saw the breastplate that they wore. They saw these things. They saw the helmet that they wore. They saw the sword. They, they saw these things. And so he was using that to give an analogy of this. We as Christians also need to be fully armor, fully put on God's armor. We need to make sure that we um, wear truth, that we wear the breastplate of righteousness, that we are... Um, we're wearing these things, and we're wearing them constantly. It's something we don't ever put down. We, don't, we, we keep uh, meditating on this. We keep reminding ourselves of this. This is so important. And so um, tonight as we're talking about the sword of the Spirit, um, which is, of course, the Word of God, um, there are some things that I just want to share with you about that. So... Um, as I've already said, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And um, as I was thinking today, it was, it was interesting to me that Paul says we are to take the shield of faith. We are to take the helmet of salvation. We are to take the sword of the Spirit. So this is something that we are to take. The other three we're supposed to wear constantly, right? We're supposed to have constantly. We're supposed to have those things on uh, constantly. We're never, in a sense, supposed to take them off. So, of course, you know, it was not talking about, um, you know, real armor. I saw this um, little cart, this, this guy, he was, he had put on, this is in modern days, and he had put on armor, and so he was going through his day with all this armor on. Can you imagine he was trying to walk. He couldn't walk. He tried to get to his phone. He couldn't get to his phone. So we're not talking about that kind of armor. So nobody go out and buy armor, okay? I mean, if you want to buy it for, you know, to remind you, that's fine. But I wouldn't encourage you to wear it around, all right? That might be kind of hard, okay? It's heavy. You know, we've talked about all of that. Um, you know, anyway, I won't go into all that. <laughs> I just, my head just went someplace, so praise the Lord. That's, that's not what we're talking about, okay? So, but we are always supposed to have on the, the, um, the belt of truth. We're all, always supposed to have on the breastplate of righteousness because we are the righteousness of God in Christ, right? Our feet are always supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Always. But, this, but the helmet you've got to put on. The sword, you know, or you got to take it up and put it on. The sword, you have to take it up. We, we have to take up our sword. We have to take up our shield. Praise God. So, the, um, just a little description. The Roman soldier's sword was approximately 18 to 19 inches long. Now, I, in doing some research, some say that, you know, the swords were longer and some say they were 
not long. So anyway, just so you know, there's, there's different stories about exactly what they are. Some, you know, some things you'll look at and they'll say, well, they were more like the ones that we see like in the movies. Others say, no, they were shorter. Let me just say this. They're swords, okay? Whether they're 18 inches or 19 inches or 20 inches, whatever, it's a sword, okay? So with both sides being razor sharp, um, they were many times they were used for close-up fighting, especially if they were shorter ones, or in the face fighting, if you, you can imagine that, in your face fighting. Hand-to-hand combat. Um, they were needle sharp. I think I said that already. Um, they were used for giving a, um, a death blow because, you know, the enemy was so close so you could use your sword to, you know, hit them with it or, or to attack them. Um, the sword, it's called the sword of the spirit. And so when you think about this, this is the tool that the Holy Spirit uses. He uses the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God. So when you take up the sword of the spirit, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. Not saying he's not there to help you with the other armor, but the, the word of God is even what Jesus used to combat the devil, right? And we'll talk about that in a minute. So um, this is the one piece of armor that is both offensive and defensive. And so while God's word can protect us from the lies of the enemy, it can also counterattack. When you go into a battle, you don't beat your enemy. And this is, I kind of wrote this tongue-in-cheek. But when you go into battle, you don't beat your enemy with your shield or try to defeat him with your belt or chase him down with your sandal, right, or throw your helmet at him. No, you pull out your sword and you use it, you know. So um, when we are tempted, the most effective weapon that God has given us to us as believers is the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Now, I mentioned last week, I believe, there are like three words that refer to the word um, or the word of God. So there's graphe, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's G-R-A-P-H-E. That's the written word. That's this. Okay? This is the written word. Then there's logos, and this is the message, the message that was, that's in here, okay? So like, you know, in John 1, 1, it says that the, um, I, just, I just said that, and then, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, okay? Praise God. So Jesus is the message of the Bible. What he did all through this Bible It's all about Jesus, right? So we have the written word, which is the graphe. We have the message of the written word, which is the logos. And then we have the rhema, which is the spoken word. Okay? So the sword of the spirit is referring to the spoken word. 
Because, see, here's the deal. You can walk around all day long with this Bible. You got a Bible. You got the written word. You have one. You can put this on this podium. You can put it over there on that pew. You can put it in the back seat of your car. You can put it on your uh, desk. You can put it on your coffee table. You can put it up in, a, you know, in some kind of case. But it's, it's just the written word. I say just the written word that's important, but do you understand what I'm saying? You have the written word, but what are you going to do with it? So we got to open it. We got to read it, right? And then as you're reading it, you'll say, oh, so that's what that means. And then you, there's the logos. Because now you not only have the written word, but you've studied it, you've read it, the Holy Spirit has revealed to you what it means. Now you got a revelation of it. Okay? So you have that revelation, but still, if you don't speak it, you have the written word, you have the understanding of the word, but now you got to do something with it. The Bible says, not just hearers, but doers. So you have to do something with this word. The devil don't care if you walk around with your Bible in your hand, under your arm. He could care less. He could care less. He doesn't even care if you just, you know, think about the word or, or you know, every now and then open it up or you wait till you come in on Sunday morning and you know, wait for Pastor David to give you, or Pastor Andy, or Minister Darnell, or whoever's ministering to give you the word. It's what you do with it. It becomes sharp. It becomes active when we read it. When we grasp the meaning of it. Okay? So, for instance... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I can, that's in here, right? That's in Philippians. That's in here. I can read it. It's like, oh, that's what that says. That's what that means. But then I have to speak that over myself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can And so then, you know, when the devil comes saying, well, you're not smart enough. You don't know how to do that. Oh, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? So it's so, so important. Um, Let me read a few scriptures to you so you won't think I'm just saying this. Um, So, of course, John 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and then Philippians chapter 2 verses 15 through 16 this is King James it says that ye may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom this is our our theme scripture 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So this particular scripture, this is, this is, um, this is talking about logos. Holding forth the word of life. You know, we, we shine as light. And then when you read Hebrews 4.12, um, it says, for the word, uh, this is new living, it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when, we're, when we get a revelation of the word, it's like, think of like an MRI or an X-ray. It's, it's X-raying, it's, it's considering what are you thinking says here that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. What are you thinking about? Does your, what you're thinking, does it line up with the word of God? So when we, when we have the logos, when we're reading God's word or studying God's word or even hearing God's word, hearing God's word, then the word of God is there to search our thoughts. It discerns between the soul and the spirit. Are you in the flesh or are you in the spirit? Is this thought right or is this thought wrong? The word will do that for you. It will x-ray, take x-rays of you. It's like you sit there and you're reading it and God says, like, I'm, I just opened this, but it says, honor, I'm in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all that increase. So thy born shall be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So I read that. And so the Holy Ghost is like, okay, well, are you doing that? Are you honoring the Lord with the, with the substance? Are you really honoring him with the first fruits of all your increase? What about that little tiny check you got the other day? Did you pay your tithes on that? It's checking your thinking. Um, what do you think about uh, if somebody is talking about, this is a little controversial, but I don't mean any harm to anybody, but thinking about um, gender identity. What do you think about that? Do you believe that their God made man and woman? Do you believe that, uh, you know, maybe God made a mistake? I mean, think about it. So the word is like, what do you, it's, it's checking you out. It's bringing to light what your thoughts are and are your thoughts in line with the word of God. And if it's not, we need to change. We need to renew our minds. So that's what the logos does. So then when the enemy comes, and like with Jesus, We have to be able to speak the word. We ought to know it. 
or, you know, no disrespect to the Holy Spirit, but I was thinking to myself, I said, okay, well, you know, sometimes when I want to find out something, I'll Google it. Anybody Google stuff? Yeah, all of us do, right? (laughs) So, you know, I'll say, Holy Spirit, I'm Googling you. Where is that scripture at? (laughs) Or bring that back to my remembrance. But you know he does. He knows more than Google, right? About everything. So praise the Lord. All right, let me give you some a, a definition of um, Rama. So um, the definition definition for the word Rama is word is a word spoken clearly spoken vividly, spoken in undeniable language, a word spoken in unmistakable, unquestionable, certain, and definite terms. Um, In the New Testament, the word carries the idea of a quickening word. So like in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, remember with Mary, this is talking about Mary, and the angel came to her and told her what was going to happen, And Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come about, said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So the angel spoke the word and Mary said, okay, what you have said, let it come true. So she agreed with it. We have to agree with our mouths what God has said. Amen. Um, you know, I, in Acts chapter 11, verse 15 and 16, this is the New Living Translation as well. It says, as I begin to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he remembered what Jesus had said. Jesus said it, and it came to pass. When you say what the word says, it comes to pass. So, um, as I said, Jesus modeled this so well in, you know, when Satan tempted him. Let's just look at that really quickly, really quickly. (laughs) Turn to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 13 very quickly. New Living Translation. It says this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So three strikes and you're out. He tried three times, but Jesus said no. And it's interesting, um, you know, in that last one, Satan, he, um, he was quoting scripture, but Jesus said, no, but it also says this. You're quoting scripture, but it also says this. Don't take it out of context. Don't try and make it be something that it's not. That was not God's intention. That's not what God meant, and you know it. And you're trying to trip me up. So do you see why we need to know the word? Because the devil will quote the scriptures. He's been around for a long, long time. Praise God. So one of the things that I want to remind you of, Jesus didn't take things, these matters into his own hands. He spoke what God said. He spoke what was in the word. He used the word as a weapon, all right? Now, sometimes we as humans, we take matters into our own hands. We want to fight it out. We want to cuss it out. We want to um, box it out. We want to silence it out. You know, husband and wives, you know, so you do the silent treatment. We want to do all these things in the flesh. But that does not win the battle. In fact, it makes it worse. Makes it worse. So we can't deal with this enemy from a natural standpoint. We have to use, or with natural weapons, we have to use spiritual weapons. The word is a spiritual weapon. And it's for us to use. It's for us to stand our ground with. It's for us to put the devil in his place. Praise God. Um, you know, remember how Moses, he, when he saw the, um, the children of Israel being treated unfairly and he killed the Egyptian? That was the human side. So he did that, and then he had, he had to flee for his life. Then he was in the desert for 40 years. God still had a plan, of course, but he took matters in his own hands. Peter took matters in his own hands when he, you know, cut the ear off of the high priest's servant. And Jesus told him, don't you know Wait a minute, Peter, come on now. Man, you know me. If I wanted to, I could call 12 legion angels. I don't need your little sword. I don't need you to, to, to get in the flesh. And you about to mess up anyway. <laughs> he didn't say that to him. 
But I'm just saying, God's word is more powerful than the enemy. God's power is more powerful than enemy. the enemy. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. He's greater. Mr. Floyd said, you know, that um, not one um, word. I don't remember the exact scripture now, but, you know, it's not going to pass. Heaven and earth is going to pass away before God's word is going to pass away. God backs up his word. You speak his word and he backs it up. It does not return void. Praise God. So no matter what you're facing, get the word on it. Speak the word. Stand your ground with the word of God. Put the devil to flight with the word of God. Three strikes and you're out. (laughs) Praise God. Praise the Lord. So we have these weapons that are not flesh and blood weapons. And keep this in mind, too. You may see something happening. Some person may come against you. Some person may do not very nice things to you, may talk about you, may whatever it may be. But remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. There is a spirit behind that. Now, you know if they are not a Christian, you already know that they are the devil's child and they're going to act like the devil. So why would you get all upset with them and allow them to steal your joy and allow you to get in the flesh? You know, I've heard Christians say, well, you know what, I'm going to lay, I'm going to let the old man rise up. (laughs) That old man is dead. Buried, gone. Don't you resurrect him. (laughs) You know, he come out all uh, like a skeleton walking around. Come on, we're not, that's not what God called us to do. And I'm not being insensitive that people can't hurt our feelings or, you know, because we do have flesh on. We We have flesh. But if you'll just remember that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. When people do wrong things, when people are not acting right, Christian or non-Christian, there's something else behind that. Attack that. Stand your ground against that. If they're a fellow brother or sister, If you have a relationship with them, find out what's going on with them. Hey, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Let me help you get through this. Amen? Amen. Instead of going, Minister Floyd, you know that she, she, Letitia, do you know what she did to me the other day? You know how mean she was to me? She was a fool and she was acting a fool. But that's what we do. Right? Instead of saying, God, what's going on, Letitia? Is everything okay? Okay. Can we pray? Yes. Yes. All right. Praise God. (laughs) 
Now she wouldn't do that, but I'm, but but that's what that's how we do one another. But if I just say, "Whoo, okay, let me get myself together first, and then go to my sister and say, "You know what? I love you. It just seems like things are just not right. How can I help? How can I stand? How can I pray?" Do you need a hug today? Do I need you to remind you how much God loves you? Do I need to remind you who you are in Christ? Do I need to remind you that you are a part of a family who loves you, who cares for you? That should be what we do. Not fight against people.